seven, 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 seven. Listening to Ultra Q, episode thirty.、Uh, my name is Red. I am joined by Mel.、Uh, do you guys think Farashi has a favorite dryer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, it's it's called his mom. <laughs> <laughs> This is no. I am simply being honest about. How gender is in Ultra Seven? <laughs> there is a there is a moment in the in that episode that is so fucked up. We'll get to it.、Um, I, I I do love that episode though. Anyway,、uh, I'm also joined by Razan.、Uh, moral dilemma: There's a trolley going down the tracks. There's one Furuhashi and three hundred other people on the tracks. <laughs> do you change the tracks? Um, Ultra. <laughs> Dan's response: I will simply, I will simply save everyone. <laughs> Every time.、Uh, before Original I... Ultraman's response is: I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow up the trolley.、Uh, to be fair, that was also Kiriyama's response. <laughs> um. All right. Coming up, we've got Turfy Aliens, Fortune Tellers, and the Return of a Gimmick.、Uh, <laughs> But before any of that,、um, I just want to start by just saying I ain't done shit this week. I mean, I have done shit this week, but I don't know that I can talk about it uh, because uh, I, you know, I hit credits in Armored Core Six. So did、um, I. Oh, did you? Oh, sick. <laughs> yes. Um, that's a good video game. Uh, I like that game a lot. <laughs> like a lot. Armored Core. The thing where fundamentally, if someone rocks up. For a fight, and your response is, "Oh shit, I'm fighting you."、Um, yeah, that's a good game. If you get it like two or even like three times in a single game, you've done pretty good. <laughs> I I just think they made a very good video game.、Uh, the the only two gripes I, I I tweeted this, but the only two things I really would say like knock it down a little bit for me, where I think that. Like gameplay wise, I genuinely actually think this might just be the best in the series. Like they they refined down and distilled what Armored Core is to such a level that I think like, in terms of just like going in and playing this one, I think this might be the very first Armored Core game I've ever played. Where so far at least I haven't finished a mission and gone like, well, that was kind of a shitty one. Like I've I've enjoyed everything pretty much.、Um, The only things that I'm kind of like eh on, I still think repair kits are kind of dumb. Like I, I get maybe 
viewing it as like, oh, it's another hectic thing that like makes the combat more exciting because you got to keep track of it or else you like, quote unquote, can die early and not utilize all of your HP you have available. Um, I just I like the flavor of the mechas are, are big and chunky and, and tanky. How do you how do you if, how do you how are they getting fixed in the middle of combat? Doesn't make any fucking sense. Th- <laughs> yes, I'll say that exactly. Like, I, I don't like the weird like, oh, a blue glow fixes the mech mid fight kind of magic. It's it's I don't know, just not the flavor I go for. Um, and the other thing, too, is I kind of don't like how. Because of the structure that they are kind of forced to go into with the addition of the boss fights, which I do like a lot. Like, boss fights actually genuinely think are pretty incredible. That chapter 3 boss, one of my favorite Armored Core moments, chapter 4 boss, fucking loved. Was the... Um, was the you put in spoilers what the chapter 3 boss you're talking about was? Uh, yes. Um... There you go. Yes, yes, that was really Incredibly cool. Incredibly <laughs> sick. Um, but when I see the big supply point waypoint marker on the map, it immediately ruins any tension of, oh, like, yep, the mission's over, or you know, like something's not about to go down in a way that's like a little mm-hmm. eye-rolling for me. There, I- um, there, is a de- there is a degree to which is like, almost like some of these bosses should have been sectioned off into their own missions a little more sometimes i i agree with you i i actually think like, that i i should be able I to i would have liked it more i should be able to do the mission that is the x fight um yeah and i think that yeah that would fix that a little um because in the past games there were times where it's like oh yeah the mission's over and then suddenly some asshole shows up and it's like oh no <laughs> uh and you just don't really get you mm-hmm. get versions of that but you don't get it i feel like as hard as they could do it with the format of the earlier games missions motherfucking um, nine ball <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah i this is like Oh god, I have the most I, I hate to I hate to be this person. I really wish I didn't have to say this, but I think this is the best game I've played since Elden Ring. Uh I I I uh, I, I, I can tell I so I'm I'm like So I first of all first of all, um I really like I tweeted something and realized that it was it was premised in an assumption that that I I was increasingly aware that not everyone had <laughs> because I I was like yeah the Armor Core Six is a great it does a great job of um giving you the full experience of getting stuck on a from software boss uh you know f- the full cycle from like frustration to like getting like genuinely tilted to like uh taking a step back reassessing calming down. Uh, experimenting, uh, learning moves, and then coming back and nailing it all in like 10 minutes. Um, but that assumption is that people are beating the bosses in like 10 minutes. And that's, uh, apparently that's not happening. I found this game very... More, bl- like an, more like an hour for me for most of these chapter bosses, not I, gonna lie. I found this game very breezy. I don't know if it's just because I stumbled into an approach that worked really well, because I don't I don't think I'm like a genius armored core six player what, or anything. What, what build are you using? I mean, I changed it up a little bit, but broadly I've been very close range. I've been switching between handguns and like dual Zimmermans. Um which is the big uh shotguns, kinetic shotguns. 
Um, okay, you did stumble. Wait, which legs are you using to? Just regular bipedal legs. Oh, okay. Uh, you you are at least rubbing up against what I know is one of the meta builds then. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I was initially, like, doing a lot of this to, like, stagger and then hit them with, like, the pile bunker. Um, and that was, you know, I was kind of cruising through bosses. I, I say cruising. Uh, they were killing me. Um, well... I be this is, I don't I don't know if this is maybe gonna annoy you if I post this. Uh no, just do it, do it. Oh my god, that, yeah, that was that was the that was the that was the one that I think I got the most tilted on. But also too, um, I have seen multiple people in multiple places now say that that fight in particular, you need to do one extreme or the other to have the easiest time. Okay. And I, I had a very, I had a very weird, like, some parts were very, like, lightweight, built for speed, quick hits. Some parts were, like, built for, like, hard, heavy, slow hit sort of thing. And I think that's kind of why I had so much difficulty with that fight. But I, I was stubborn and didn't want to change my build. So I, I struggled until I got it. But... Mm -hmm. Um, I that was the hardest fight in the game for me. The like Balteus and that the the chapter four boss were were like the only two points where I felt like, oh Jesus Christ, how the fuck do I do this? Uh, Everything else I didn't think was too too bad. Balteus was the hardest one for me. Uh, took me I I checked the footage because I saved it. Um, took me twenty five minutes. <laughs> uh, I didn't use any pulse weapons. <laughs> I just, I had dual pistols and, uh, some, uh, a sword and a rocket launcher. And I was just like, uh, I, I, I was checking in occasionally, uh, on like, there's a you know, there's discord we're in, where there's an armored core channel. I was checking in occasionally and reading that and going, uh, am I doing something like really right? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> I, um... I, inspired by your uh, insistence the handgun was good last time we talked, I, I, I rocked one of the handguns on my final build, and uh, that thing's fun fun as fuck. It's good. <laughs> it does it does so much stagger up close. Th that combined with a beam lance, which is so satisfying. Beam, I was using the, the pile... Beam lance. I was using I the pile bunker, <laughs> but I was... I, I, I switched to the lance after, like, I liked the pile bunker big charge up hit, but I was like, I was really missing the, like, dash in for the range. Um, mm -hmm. yes, so I, I switched to that and it was, it was very satisfying. I did, um, I did, ha I did, you know, I've, I, I did have to, despite basically running the same approach, the same broad, like, goals for the same, for the whole game, which I, you know, I was having to switch stuff up anyway for like weight and energy. So, you know, that experience still in the game, not quite as yeah. like hardcore as it was in like uh, the PS1 armored cores that I've played where it, it was really like uh, having to really like crunch numbers to get what I want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's it's there. Um, and yeah, I, I think I said like after playing like beating like three bosses in the game i was like i don't think the bosses in this game are good uh and i think armored core 6 took that a little personally uh because <laughs> i was just like okay by the end i was like okay yeah yeah these are pretty sick i just realized something um okay so i'm not gonna say anything too much but there's a point where someone shows up on the route you haven't done yet 
and the boss fight music starts to play, and I went finally a fucking Kota Hoshino ass Hoshino track. It's so good. Oh, uh, I, nice. I'm so excited for you to get to it. Um, the only other thing I guess I have to say, well, I'm so fucking sorry, by the way. <laughs> but, um, but uh, the only other thing I have to say is that I do have a friend who has completed the game like all the way through and is like in the like in the trenches of the pvp world for this game right now uh it does seem like a very fun place to be and i can't wait to get there myself uh especially as someone who is very salty that i came to armored core well past at any of the times that like people cared about their like multiplayer scenes mm -hmm. uh so just excited to finally get to experience that in a form uh it sounds like uh in terms of the balancing both for single player and multiplayer uh quad legs just dominating um okay so I, i'm curious to see how they if they because you know from modern FromSoft, they, they tend to update things or whatever for for these games or whatever especially with like pvp stuff in mind uh, but sometimes yeah, single player considerations it, too it, it, it sometimes it's it sometimes pisses off single player people uh because like, I, I remember people getting annoyed when they had built like like when when they would play when they had played like elden ring for a while and be like well yeah i had the fucking katana that does the the arcane slash and now it's fucking nerfed to shit um, because yeah. people in PvP are obliterating, obliterating people, and it's like, <laughs> I ain't playing that. Let me fucking, let me fucking use the original, what the fuck you doing? <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like, it sounds like the, the, the prevailing PvP strat seems to be either really light dual shotgun build, uh, or quad legs shit ton of artillery, uh, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, ex I do I expect to do quad legs for my for my next playthrough. Uh I will say I did quad leg so I <laughs> because I'm a parody of myself, I wanted the fucking edition of the game that came with the cool robot toy. So I I bought the PS5 version that came with that. Uh but I've been I, I did my primary playthrough on Steam because it's just easier for me to stream shit on my laptop than fucking playing on in my living room and having to set up a tripod for my stupid face. Um so I started, I got bored while I was sick. I was sick most of this week, by the way, for everyone at home. Uh, so I didn't do much outside of this. But um, I started a second playthrough up on PS5 and I'm like, let me do like the complete opposite. Like, let's do real heavy uh, quad leg build with like a fucking rocket launcher. And like, I can't remember what else I used, but I beat both Balteus and the chapter two boss first try. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I want to say this is because I got so much better at the video game. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I just chewed through both of those bosses, Stager and health bars. Um, nice. It was great. Nice. Uh, I do think revert. I, I haven't seen anyone see this a ton, but I've seen some whispers of it out in the ether, and I kind of feel like I want to throw my head in. I feel like Reverse Joint got the short end of the stick again in terms of, like, utility. Um, which Why do they hop a little? a lot. I what know, do you mean? They, they do when... I would use Reverse Joints um, because I like them, but they do, mm -hmm. a little, they do a little hop when you want to just boost along the ground. And it's like, that's not helpful. Oh, I I like I I like it. There some of them towards the end too. Like if you just tap the like ascend button, you do such a fun like a a fun little hop that really fucks over 
mm-hmm. a lot of the projectile tracking of the game. It, it's super useful because it, it, it's such a weird diagonal angle that nothing else in the game travels in. Uh, um, this once makes sense. you get used to the fact that sometimes you do ascend weirdly, it 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 it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's just a thing because reverse joints whole gimmick in the old games before they became about like boost dashing all over the place was just like oh these are the jumpy ones um so that's probably why um i remember i remember i wound up using them in armored core one because you could they just carried so much more and but without being heavy um and i I was just like oh this is helpful um but uh yeah armored core six good game um gave me the I you know I was complaining last time I was saying I feel like the bosses are all like bullet sponges. Uh, gave me the frantic, uh, uh, very quick boss fights that I was looking for. In the end, I I also too at least with <clears throat> some of the fights, it fucking rules when you and a boss are both about down to twenty percent of your respective health bars, and then you hear like left shoulder ammo at ten percent. It's like I don't need to worry about this right now. It's such a good <laughs> feeling. Uh. It's good. Anyways, uh, it's good. Mel, what have you been up to? Uh, I have, I have, I have one last thing to mention. I met, Mo- uh, okay. I met Moonglum. Yeah, yeah. I read the, I read the second story. Uh, Elric is the coolest motherfucker in the world. Uh, I say asterisk him saying to his new girlfriend, being like, uh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a nihilist now. Um, actually, because you know I revel in the chaos. Uh, you know I don't have to. You know. Uh, no one has to feel uh, guilt about anything in the world because it's all it's all meaningless. And she's like, "Is that because you don't want to feel guilty for what you did in the last story?" And <laughs> and his response is to go, "Yeah, probably," and start crying. <laughs> Anytime Elric talks to a woman in any of those stories, it it, it is a oh no moment. It's great. Oh, he sucks so much. It's fantastic. Anyway, yeah. Moonglum's a funny little man. He's got though. his boy. Like He's got Moonglum. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's it. I'm I'm still I'm, yeah, I'm still reading Elric. I, I'm gonna join you on this journey. I have to now. It's been too long since I've read those. I can send you a list. Uh, I probably have it, but sure, go go. You know, they'll they'll save me from digging it up. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mal, you're back. Welcome back. Yeah, um, you may not notice, but I'm back. Um, fit, thought I was feeling a bit jet lag, but it's okay. Uh, I changed my helmet, and I was fine, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just you just got a spare. Yeah, uh, that's that's how it works. Um, don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, damn, where do I even begin? Uh... The worst part is I also have media stuff to talk about, but anyway, uh, Japan, uh, yeah, uh, I was visited Japan, first time, uh, very warm, mm-hmm. uh, plus 30 Celsius every day. Uh, hold on, uh, I'll translate, uh, Razen, that's quite hot. 86, okay, 86 in Fahrenheit. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, so basically the rough outline of my trip, uh, spent like a day or so in Tokyo, 
got to see different places, including, you know, uh, Oedo Park, Akihabara. Didn't stay in Tokyo too long, because I was like, I went with like a, for the first like my trip, it was mostly just like I was with a tour group, because, you know, it was my first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Went to Takayama for like a day that's sort of like in a, a bit northern part of the country. Not like North Hokkaido, but more like closer to the Korean side of the island uh, than the Pacific side. Uh, got to try a Japanese in. That was nice. Uh, spent a few days in Kyoto. Climbed the top of a fucking mountain. <laughs> the one with the a billion shrines. Uh, saw some castles. Uh, the tour was like six six days, but I had a few days after, so I spent like a few days in Osaka by myself. Um, saw more castles. Gone to an aquarium for free. Uh, somehow. Oh. Where <laughs> I was. They like, just like let you in. <laughs> uh, no, what happened was uh there was a there was a family, like there was a mom and her like older son. Uh, and they were like, hey, we got a ticket that we don't, with a spare ticket, do you want to just use it <laughs> to get it in? Oh, and nice. then, yeah, Japan, okay. Japan lets queer women into aquariums for free. Uh, Damn. Yeah. They gotta get the Yuri experience. Uh, yes. Th- this is the thing that, like, I, I had on, on my travel experience, uh, like, earlier this summer, too, where it's just, like, when you're out and about, just, like... The kindness of random strangers goes so far, and, like, you just stumble into it. it it's a great feeling. Uh, yeah. Also, I went to Nara for a day. Uh, those deer... Is really, that the deer place? Yes. The deer get really up in your face if you have cook- crackers on your hand. They're like, feed me. And they'll, like, bump your bump your face. They'll, they'll bump you with your face, their faces. They're just, like, give me the food. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, well, damn, I guess I'm being swarmed. I have no choice but to just awkwardly drop these crackers. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like because I went, I did a bunch of stuff, but also feels like I didn't do enough in a way because I went. I was you, like, you posted a lot of fun finds and shops and things. Yeah, uh, I got some good anime merch and stuff. Uh, uh, went to like a place on my first day before the tour started uh, in Tokyo called like I think Nagano Broadway or whatever or Nagano Broadway. I'm not sure, but uh, it's like it's like a love at. We merch there and uh, a lot of Ultraman merch, <laughs> notably. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, I think that is the place that the example adventure of the Shin Megami Tensei tabletop RPG I've been like semi like bullshit machine translating takes place in. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, oh, yeah. When I was in Saka, I also went to like a, at a. There's a theme park that had like a 50th anniversary Kamen Rider exhibit, so I went there, took some pictures, got some t shirts. So that was cool too. I uh, didn't understand any of the text because extremely not translated, but you know. So that that's something I wanted to ask you. Um, so I, of course, I would love to go to Japan someday. There's no fucking way that's going to happen anytime soon. But like, how did it? Like, did you feel comfortable? It was like, was there any like tension there with just like the oh shit, like I don't know where I'm going, and I just I don't know the language good enough to like get around, like or was, or was that mostly fine? I mean, it's there for sure, but like in a lot of the big cities, they're like expecting a lot of tourists, so a lot of like basically all the subway, public transit have like English, uh, on them as well to help you. Um, okay, they'll, they'll have like in- in- English announcements as well. Uh, and in like a lot of the big cities, the love menus and stuff for restaurants will have at least some English signage. 
uh, otherwise I'm just going like uh, pointing to this thing, going this thing. <laughs> uh, Whatever yeah. works. Uh, uh, I will say, you know, not not to be like thing Japan meme, but I do think the convenience stores of vending machine theaters are just better than the ones we have here. <laughs> uh, they're just like more ubiquitous and useful. Because uh, you know, I never, when I'm here, I don't I don't go into convenience stores. I don't need to, but uh, there it's quite helpful. I don't know how much of that is just like being a tourist, but I get the vibe. It's just like they are just handy in general. Um, mm-hmm. it there is a weird vibe when you're looking at like vending machines and some cars there because like you know. Um, it's a lot of like really small, narrow one-way streets in the cities, so a lot of cars are built to accommodate that. Okay, like the, the aesthetic of a technology in some in some things is like this looks like it was made in the eighties, uh, but it functionally it's <laughs> more advanced than what we have here, right? Uh, which is which is kind of fun. Uh, do you buy any space opium? Uh, from a vending machine. <laughs> no, but I, have, I did see cig- uh, cigarette vending machines. Uh, classic. Uh, I saw Osaka Castle and Gamora was not there, thankfully. <laughs> was the kid there? No. And Gorius was also not there, just for the record. Um, uh, I also, you know, uh, I watched Toku on the TV <laughs> and Freaky on the yeah. TV. Yeah. It was nice. <laughs> you know, important to do. Uh, uh yeah um just shopping what else because you know it's like i did a lot but also don't know how i talk about it and i feel like i know i should have more stories but i'm like you know it was it's a good time uh people i was with was nice for the leg of the trip i was with them uh that's good hotel rooms are very tiny uh (laughs) um also every toilet has a bidet and i think that's amazing i wish that was everywhere else on the planet yeah <laughs> uh, i didn't understand they, that should be standard <laughs> yeah, i didn't understand until my parents like installed that in their in their home uh bathroom uh and so going to japan and seeing almost every toilet there was one exception which felt really weird because it was like wait a minute this feels weird but basically everywhere else it's just like the standard yeah, i think it's interesting uh and it's useful uh also, it is kind of jarring in a way, just like, you know, obviously I know in my head, oh yeah, uh, anime and toku is like stuff that just airs on TV there, uh, but then just seeing it and like the advertising ubiquitously, I'm like, huh, it's weird. Actually just seeing them <laughs> instead of just like in these settings, does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. there's the girl from Oshinoko on this vending machine as a normal thing. Uh, Oshinoko, not normal. Uh, yeah. Uh, also not normal, apparently. Uh, the new Bandori anime, which I saw advertisements for on the Tokyo subway, and I was like, what the fuck happens in Bandori? <laughs> I watched the first two episodes of that show. It seems fucking fantastic. <laughs> uh, I I downloaded the episodes, and uh, you know what? If I watch more of it, we can talk about it next week, maybe. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish that before next week. I'm, okay. Yeah. Wait, hold I'll, on. I'll, is I'll, Bandori the thing I'm thinking? Okay, yeah, that's the Bang Dream one, right? Yes. 
I, I one time embarrassed myself. So there's a game called, I think, is it Bang Dream Girls Party? Is that yeah, the one? Is the did one, you yeah. did you once say to a normal person that uh, you were going to play Bang Dreams Girl Party? No. Okay. No, no, it's even worse. It's uh, some friends were talking about it, and then I tried to reference something else that they were talking about previously, and I was like, yeah, I think you're talking about it when you were talking about, uh, and then I, I fucked up the title, and I said... Bang Girls Dream Party, <laughs> which is a lot worse. No, uh, and it's a thing that my friends still make fun of me for. So, yeah. also, since the, the the title of the new anime <laughs> is like "It's My Go," and I was like, "What the fuck does that title mean? Is this just like a Japanese way of using English to be like, oh yeah, it's it's my go time, it's my time to shine, like you'd expect from an idol anime?" And then I find out, no, it's just. Uh, the name of the band the show is about. <laughs> so it's like the name is Bandori. Uh, it's those guys. <laughs> uh the the girls the girls are good, and by that I mean um, they're terrible. They're terrible. They're terrible <laughs> to each other. <laughs> uh, can't wait. I'll hop onto it. Um, truly, Toxic Yuri is seeing its heyday. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like I did not see enough of Tokyo, and I should. Like, I was there for, like, two days, basically, and you know, I feel like I need to... I mean, Tokyo big. Yeah, Tokyo big. Uh, I didn't even get to see Shibuya, which is funny. Uh, yeah, like, I, 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 I spent, like, you know, I spent, like, three days in Osaka, and I was like, yeah, uh, I could come back here some other day, but, like, it's like, I feel like I got a good sense of the city. Uh, but Tokyo, I feel like I barely saw any of it. Uh, so, yeah, I... It'd be nice to go back in the future. Uh, do you think you would do the tourist group thing again, or would you just like? Go? I think I'm fine. I think I'm fine. Like it was good for the first time, but like I think for a second time, I'd rather go. Maybe not necessarily by myself because there is something like on one hand privacy is nice, but on the other hand it's nice to just have someone around. So maybe I'd go with friends yeah. or something. But like you know, Tra- traveling with at least one other person is always nice. Yeah. Um, do how so like i'm just curious because i've never done like the group type of like stuff like how long like how much of the day does the like actual tour groups thing take up uh, i think it's like depends like some days it's definitely like parts where we're like doing the tour but we have free time moments there and then like some days it's like half the day some days it's more, like more like t- most of the day uh but okay. we'll have free time it's kind of varies but like you know even when you're like the group thing is done you're usually doing stuff with the group because you know it's been more fun to be with people. Yeah. Um, and a tour guide was nice. Uh, it's good. Uh, I uh, tried to Google how big Tokyo is. Um, and I, I specifically said, how big is Tokyo? Uh, and the first question on people also ask, is Tokyo bigger than England? Um, th- no, Tokyo is not bigger than England. <laughs> uh, anyway, that was all I had. Um, yeah, also, uh, transit system's pretty good. Shinkansen is fun. There's nice, I got nice pictures of, like, the countryside going from, like, Tokyo to, uh, Takayama. Uh, you know, lots of mountains, lots of rivers. Um... Beats whatever transit we have here in Canada, that's for sure. Uh, just trying to think. Nice. Also, food pretty affordable, which is nice <laughs> in comparison to food prices here right now. 
Uh, uh, a lot, lot, of, lot of using a lot of using cash and change. I find. Ooh. Oh yeah, I, I, that's like a big thing for, like, I, I remember hearing like. That's a big transition. A lot of people need to make where it's just like, oh no, like cash and change and stuff like way more like used, like. Personally, me, I barely have cash on me unless I'm like going out drinking. Yeah, I want to yeah, like yeah. tip look, people or whatever. Look for me. So. Look for me. I'm like almost never have cash when I'm like here in Canada. But there, I was like, I gotta have uh, have to amount of on me uh, at all times, uh, especially useful for vending machines. Uh, but you know, also just I'm assuming a lot of those machines will take a card though too, right? Uh, some of them. Some of them. Okay. Not a lot. Some okay. of them do not, which is unfortunate. But you know. Yeah. Um. Convenience stores also, hang, thankfully, have just ATMs everywhere, so that's nice. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah. Sick. That was that was Japan, the country. And we've got you back. Got, you got to go. We've got you back now. Yeah, uh, I can talk about media now. <laughs> oh, it's, what do you have? Uh, because you know, uh, it turns out when you have twelve-hour flights. Uh, you need something to do. You read Che Guevara's Guerrilla Warfare? Uh, I did not do that. <laughs> oh my god, my flights were actually pretty terrible. I had like a... Because I stopped... I had like layovers twice. And like... I had like a two-hour flight to Dallas. And then a 12-hour flight from Dallas to Tokyo. And then on the way back, a tower flight from Kansai Airport to Los Angeles. Uh, and then a flight from Los LA to Toronto. So... That took like 18 hours, uh, which means I just had a Monday that was longer than most other people on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just like physically longer. <laughs> there were more hours than it should have had. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll... Uh, I'll you on that grind? Damn, don't tell the grind set people. <laughs> um, if... Oh, new c- cyberpunk dystopian novel idea. If we just have our workers on planes... They can get more done on a Monday. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Yeah, hey, uh, let me just run down some things really quick. Uh, one, uh, I did finally finish Macro Seven, the anime. Uh, nice. I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna put a pin in that because I haven't done the OVAs or movies yet, and also it took me two years to finish it, so I might want to watch the uh, you movie will... featuring the Frontier Gang to like refresh myself are you um, or are you not curious enough to watch dynamite uh i am going to watch it despite recommendations <laughs> to the contrary despite everyone telling you no don't just trust yeah, us I, I i just i distinctly remember m multiple times saying do not do this and i'm like i know and i respect your opinion but i will do it and then i will agree with you later <laughs> <laughs> I will, I, I will become the person recommending. No, I know I did this, but you shouldn't. Uh, I just, I'm I just, happy I, we're of the same mind on these things. I, I just feel like I would feel like I need to see it just for completionate reasons, uh, while also being like, yeah, they have a, probably have a good reason for saying no. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll get back to it when I like feel like I finish it off and I can talk about it more completely. Uh, second, I. Tech, so I'm doing this not in a proper order because there's one big thing I want to talk about, but I'll try and get the small stuff mm-hmm. out of it too. Uh, I did also, like while I was on my trip, finish Call of the Conciliator. That continues to be more Book of the New Sun, uh, which I don't feel smart enough to talk about either. Maybe I'll just talk about the book more 
<laughs> when I finish all of the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Uh, also, I guess technically finishing another notch on my Inoue quest inadvertently because uh, uh, I finished Yu-Gi-Oh! Season 0. <laughs> uh, Is that Inoue related? What? He, he, I, I also he, did not he, know that he was involved. He writes, oh, he wrote a lot of the episodes for that show. Because uh, it's toy, toy production. Cool. Uh, and it is, it is interesting seeing, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! before it became the card game exclusively series, as mm-hmm. they adapt, like, the manga chapters, while also simultaneously uh, the manga is at that very moment becoming the card game thing, because you can tell how many uh, anime-only episodes they added. That's just about Duel Monsters. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, God. It is, it is funny... Because, you know, uh, I watched a bit of season one uh, before I went back to do this. Like, I'm going to do season zero. Uh, and it's funny, just like... Uh, the duel in the first episode of the original Duel Monsters anime is just in this anime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I assume the original manga context. Because uh, the, the first episode, I think, of the Duel Monsters anime is just like, we're starting from an arc later on where it is the guard game now. Uh, but we do have to do a first episode just reestablishing the world because we aren't acknowledging the the pre-dual monsters canon mm-hmm. uh, which is a uh, really bizarre way to do things uh, uh, things that are kind of funny uh, one I didn't know Mokopa was a gremlin originally which is funny <laughs> uh, two uh, so I like uh, based on what I've heard uh, I do kind of like the voices in the dual monsters anime uh, however uh, Megumi Ogata as Yugi and Midorikawa as Kaiba are very inspired choices. <laughs> um, nice. Uh, however, I do think Kaiba's voice in Duel Monsters is an upgrade. Who is he in Duel Monsters again? <sighs> I forget the name of the voice actor. I just know he's also the giraffe in Review Starlight. Excellent. Uh, he's got the deep voice. Yes. Um, it is funny how many times Megumi Ogata gets to be like voices a uh, soft boy character and then voices like a cool, colder slash edgier version of that same character. Suda. Uh, I've, Kenjiro I've Suda. Count- yes, yes, Suda. Uh, I've counted three times where Ogata has been in that role, which is really funny. Uh, which is like, you know, Yuki and Yami Yugi here. Uh, she voices Yukito in Karkaku Sakura. And like, Technically not the same person, but on a meta level, it's the same. Uh, she does voice two boys in Danganronpa, so. Uh, Lol. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is funny. Uh, specifically, she voices uh, Naiki from the first game and then Komaida from the second game. Uh, but yeah. Uh, also, just like uh, aside the the movie, which I also watched, you know, it's like half an hour. What do you expect from a Toei movie? Mm-hmm. Um. It is. It does feel, in many ways, like even though it's anime original, it does feel like, oh yeah, this is a transition from season zero to Duel Monsters the anime, even though it doesn't like it's non intentional. Uh, but it does have like the more of the aesthetics. It is a Duel Monsters focused anime. It is very funny how it's like, whoa, with the red eyes, black dragon, that monster is so strong. And I'm like, listen, I'm not a big Yu Gi Oh player, <laughs> but like, <laughs> come the fuck on here. Did you know um, Kenshiro Tsuda is the voice of Adam Driver? Oh 
So he's Kylo Ren. I was also I was also looking and I was like, oh, that's Jack Strangers of Paradise. Oh, is it? That's cool. That's way better <laughs> yes. than being Adam Driver. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's, it's interesting. It, the movie is like an interesting, just as like a short, like post credit post coda to like the Toei anime. I don't know if like um, I don't know if like it was intentionally, but yeah, it's just like maybe it's because like I said, Duel Monsters was becoming the big the thing in the manga at that point. But yeah, it's interesting, just like mm-hmm. it is unintentionally a good bridge between like the Duel Monsters anime and Season Zero. I will say, like, the quality of the episodes in Season Zero are, like, really up and down. Uh, some things are just really sick. Uh, and you can tell just from, like, the focus on different twisted games with the rules that, like, uh, oh, yeah, this guy likes JoJo. <laughs> just tell. Did you just like tell. the episode where he sets that guy on fire? Uh, yeah, sick. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like the one with the yo-yos. Yes. Uh, this one of the ones that are, like, not so great, like, some guys are just creeps and it sucks uh i don't know why miho is here at all i heard that she has a more expanded role in the anime than the manga wait who no uh, the purple hair girl who i think in the manga only shows up for like one chapter that'll be why i'm like who <laughs> yeah. uh, i do like anzu in the show she's like a fully realized character and i feel like i don't remember that from Duel monsters as a kid and i don't know if i'll experience that when i actually watch the Duel monsters anime but we'll see hopefully hopefully she'll have something yeah fingers crossed fingers crossed women uh they're good uh, <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> uh, women they're all right uh but yeah uh it'll be nice to like go i'm gonna go move on to Duel Monsters soon, so... Or at least... Uh, I guess I already watched a couple episodes. I'll go back to where I was and continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I guess you, I, I guess, you, you said you have one more thing? Uh, yes. What is your one more thing? Uh, so, one thing that's useful when you're doing a 12-hour flight is catching up maybe on 20 episodes of a show that's about to finish. Uh, I know you finished last week. So uh, anyway, uh, I have finished the 2022 to 2023 uh, Tokusatsu show, Kamen Rider Geats. Was it good? Was it was it a good one? Uh, I'd say I liked it mostly overall. A uh, ringing endorsement. That seems better. <laughs> that seems, but that seems better than most modern Kamen Rider yeah, impressions so, so, I've heard. So, so I'll say this is... It is probably my favorite of the Reiwa Kamen Rider series so far, which to varying degrees does not matter much. One, because uh, the Reiwa label, unlike the Heisei label, is pretty arbitrary because it wasn't like there was a gap or anything. It's why dividing like Sho and Heisei Sentai, for instance, doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and two, uh, I have only seen <laughs> two Reiwa shows to completion, uh, the other one being Zero One. And, was that one just too uh, bad? <laughs> hmm? Was that one just not not good enough to hold your attention, or was it just... No, 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 no. I, I, what I'm saying is, I finished Geats, and I finished Zero One. I have not finished the other ones, which are Saber and Revise. <laughs> oh, those ones, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, and, like, uh, incidentally, both uh, Geats, written by Yuya Takahashi, who also wrote Zero One, uh, and X-Aid, uh in the Heisei era before that. 
Uh, so, the basic mm-hmm. premise of uh, Geats, let me just give a sec, uh, is basically now. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Uh, a bunch of people are being entered in as common writers into sort of a some kind of game uh, with elimination rules. Right, I'm going to stop uh, you right there. Whoa! <laughs> you you told me to stop you, so uh, that's it. Uh, that's Mel's coverage uh, of Kamen Rider Geats. Uh, uh, would, <laughs> done here. Wait, no, no. Uh, would you believe me if uh, if you win, uh, you get a you get a you get a wish, you get your ideal world. You get a wish. Uh, yeah. No Whoa. way. That's crazy. Is the wish a poison chalice? Uh, I mean, it wasn't in uh, Ryuki. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, have, I haven't seen Ryuki, but you know, I'm the, I'm the going I'm, just... I'm going off stuff that ripped off Ryuki. Eventually, I I will watch Ryuki once I'm done with Kuga. Yeah. But anyway, I'm probably, I'm, probably, I'm starting in a, the OP here. Ignore the fact that the second half of this video is King Ojiro. You can skip that part. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can just have that playing in the background. Anyway, uh. The way this one, this one's set up differently, though, um, uh, because like instead of just being like a, a battle royale, uh, so first of all, it's like the interesting thing about this one is like a lot of times when the shows do this setup, it's like the show's focus is on this tournament, uh, which is to say this iteration of it, uh, where mm-hmm. it decides to do something interesting, where it's like there are multiple arcs of the show that are each successive rounds or like successive seasons. You could say of the tournament. Oh, so, that's fun. So every few episodes, you'll have like someone who wins, and then the world state changes, and then like that's implications for the future. Uh, which the is Gundam Age of Common Rider. That, that, re- <laughs> that reminds me of uh, Build a little bit with like the changing stuff that they kind of did with the three nation setup they had there. Yeah, um, and number two, uh, instead of like a straight battle royale where they just have to kill each other, it's more like. I've described it as uh, Common Rider Fall Guys, where they have to do like <laughs> little game show uh, type things to fight, like when fighting the monsters. Uh, you have to do this task, like put the ball in this net while fighting the monster to win, uh, and then they get more points and progress, kind of thing. Uh, it may surprise you that uh, lore-wise, in the show, the game show features are not a coincidence. Uh, I see. Uh, yes, yes. Because uh, the surprise, the whole thing is actually uh, a Kamen Rider reality show uh, where people are tuning in to watch. Whoa, crazy. <laughs> um, uh, the main four casts, uh, we have like... So, just... Um, Razen, have you seen Kabuto? Uh, yes, okay. that was the fir- that was what got me into Kamen Rider. Yes, yes, so... Uh, you, this will this will be familiar to you then. The first the initial setup of the show is like a, a Kabuto esque, where the titular writer Ace, uh, it's his name is Ace Ukiyo. Uh, he's Kamen Rider Geats, uh, so called because he's a Geatsune. Uh, <laughs> um, he's like the, you know, much like his name suggests, he's like the Ace, the guy who keeps winning. Uh, he's like a big celebrity, mm-hmm. and he's like a he's, his backstory is like shrouded in mystery. So like he's kind of like Tendo in that sense. Uh, and then you mm-hmm. have like the secondary, who's like the point of view character for the second much of the second first half of the show, first half of the show. Sorry, long words. They have Kawa, uh, who's a Kamen Rider Tycoon, who's like a more rookie 
optimistic guy. Um, um, he in like uh, he's just sort of like inadvertently ends up in the tournament, and he's like, uh, he's like really <laughs> naive and just keeps getting like basically has to learn to be like competent because uh, everyone keeps betraying him. Um, incidentally, I learned through the show that Tycoon is a Japanese loan word. Uh, that originally was a title used for the Shogun, uh, and then imported into English and used for like business magnates instead, which is interesting. Uh, I also did not know that. <laughs> yes, uh, funny, fun stuff. I wouldn't have expected. Uh, asterisk, uh, Conrad Tycoon's forms are based on ninjas and uh, samurai. Anyway, <laughs> there was a reason for this, I guess. Um, and sort of rounding out the main three, the main four, you have like uh, Neon as. Comrade Nago, she's like uh, a streamer who keeps running away from home. Um, and so, Common Rider really likes doing streamer girls. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you have um, Michi Michi Kang. I okay, butcher's name Michi Naga, who's like Comrade Buffa, and his thing is like his friend died in one of the one of the. The show is called the Desire Grand Prix, and he died in one of those moments of like one of the iterations. And so his thing is like, uh, I hate the show and the common writers, and I'm gonna create a world without common writers. Uh, and he is correct, by the way. <laughs> just um, personally, I just think ideology. He's correct. Um, uh, the the game show reveal doesn't really happen like the first after the first third of the show, um, uh, and then. Things get kind of interesting because they introduce like the admins as like comrades, but also like more interestingly, they have like the supporters who are like VIP members of the audience who are like as VIPs have direct influence on the events in different ways through like some directly like oh I'm gonna send my guy the uh, coolest power up uh, Fortnite loot box drop. Uh, which, you know, that's how the power-ups work in the show, where, like, the different forms are, like, slotting different things into the buckle, uh, and they you get them through, like, loot drops, basically. Uh, the belt gimmick, incidentally, is kind of, like, reminiscent of, like, a double or build, where, like, you have two slots, and you mix and match different forms and different halves of the body. The difference being, instead of, like, left and right, uh, like the previous two, it's, like, top and bottom half of the body. Uh, and the belt has a sort of like rotation gimmick where you can like flip it 180 degrees mid battle, uh, and then so like you can you have one form, you have like one half one way and one half the other way, and then you flip the belt and then it reverses, and that's cool. Um, but yeah, the supporters also can do like other backroom politicking, like oh no, just like oh I pulled a favor and this guy's back to life now. You're welcome. Uh, just you know, fun dynamics like that. I think this is where like. The show clearly starts going in like a meta direction with the game show reveal. I do feel like each each of the main writers has like their own supporter and their contribution to their respective arcs is kind of varies because some some of the supporters kind of suck. Like a Neon's supporter is a guy named Qun who's just like a Sunray guy who I think sucks and is not interesting. <laughs> um, fuck you, that guy. Yeah. yeah, fuck fuck that. Guy. <laughs> uh, Ace's supporter is a guy named Zin. He's like notably the only guy 
because uh, like for whatever reason the audience members are all, the the supporters are also common writers and i feel like i don't know if that was necessarily necessary this is the thing that kind of prompted me going damn it'd be great if conrad had supporting characters who were not common writers uh i'm but, having um, a great time watching cougar <laughs> yeah yeah i'm living in the past is, it's a good time cougar is really good about that because you know uh also zin is like the only one who was clearly originally intended to be common writer because he's the only one with a suit and not like a cgi abomination that like uh, looks like this uh <laughs> anyway um his main deal is that he's like a big fan he's like oh man ace you're so cool i'm a big fan of the show uh big fan you're really cool uh i really love the way that uh no matter how much you suffer you always uh climb out of adversity and you know ace is like what the fuck am i guy <laughs> i'm a human <laughs> being <laughs> this isn't fun uh and so zin basically has to go through an arc where he's like oh yeah the people i'm watching on the show are people <laughs> uh grow out of his parents' so much... relationship I... I feel like game show setup for like stories like this is so underrated. Um, like th- that old platinum game, Mad World, kind of had like a similar like thing yeah. to it, where like they play around a lot with like, oh, this is a show sort of thing, and how that changes how people interact and like with each other and what's considered all right. Yeah, uh, that game was written by fucking Matsunono, Matsu- uh, Matsuno for some fucking reason of. Yeah. Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> okay, that's wild. Yeah, I respect that. Very weird. But yeah, um, Sin's arc is basically like learning to grow out of his parasocial relationship with Ace and like become an actual friend to him, which is cool. Uh, he, that's good. He even like when they form a true bond, even like contributes to like Geet's getting an upgrade form with like some design highlights based on him, which is cool. Uh, I like that stuff. And then on the flip side, you have my favorite character in the show. Which is Kawa's uh, supporter, Kakara, who initially seems introduced as like a sort of stern but well-meaning, nice, you know, he's brash and gruff, but he like, he's like, oh man, Kawa, you can do it. Uh, I know you have the true potential to be a writer inside of you. Uh, incidentally, also funny because he like, for a lot of the show, he just never talks to Kawa as like a person, but instead like talks to him via this really weird uh, frog statue. <laughs> um, and then, um, but then it turns out in like the last third of the show, uh, Kakara is really invested in the particular brand of common writer story uh, of the Showa archetype, where the common writer is a tragic hero. Uh, and so he's like, yeah, so being a true hero is suffering, uh, and needs sacrifice, which means I do have to go behind, uh, Kawa's back and ruin his life, uh, <laughs> to make him a real hero. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it is, so, is my favorite thing of the show, just like, watching this, uh, old man guy just be like, alright, I'm gonna, gonna ruin my favorite's life and he's just like there's a part a really good scene yeah so like yeah i'm not gonna spoil the ending of the show but i'm gonna talk about the second half of the show because i do want to talk about it so just you know uh there's a part where like in like sort of the last last like third or stretch of the show where you know k was going having a fight with a character due to things happening becoming a dark knight main in real time uh so to speak 
uh, and then Kakara is just like off screen going, yo, that's my boy. <laughs> uh, and then like the guy who's getting styled on is like asking Kakara, hey, can you help me out here, please? And then Kakara is just like, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, the point of this is you're supposed to be a sacrificial lamb for Kawa's hero journey. And I'm just here to watch. Uh, I'm living for this. <laughs> And it's just, it's so, so funny. His reactions during that fight is just, uh, it's just really good stuff. Uh, I got a lot of kick out of it. Just like, and also like the whole arc also brings in stuff for like, uh, Buffa and his character arc, which is also cool. Uh, truthfully, I did find like the part with Kawa and Kakara more compelling in the second half than like the main A plot where this part where like the main A plot in the second half is more about like, uh, Geats is uh, like um, he finds out his like identity and the deal with like his backstory, and he starts being like, "I'm gonna crusade against the um, the other. I'm gonna crusade and fight against the Admins to like defeat the Desire Grand P." Uh, there's an interesting bit in sort of like the last stretch where uh, at first I thought there was like a thing that was intentional where. The characters were like, they wanted to, they think that they realize the Grudzak Grand Prix is bad and like fundamentally like exploitative because like a system where like, because you know, it's a game show, uh, which can, you know, much like a certain socio-political economic system, uh, is one where like a lot, it's sort of like a rat race where like there's a bunch of people participating, but like, you're saying they got basic metaphors in this show? Yeah. <laughs> uh one climbs to the top and wins uh at the expense of all the others. Um and everyone was like, uh yeah. I had a brain fart and also red left. Uh anyway, but yeah. Uh basically like they're like, Oh yeah, we Everyone's sort of like, we need to end the system, but also they can't, because the Desire Grand Prix grants wishes, they can't imagine how to fix the world and make it ideal without, like, taking over the Desire Grand Prix themselves and trying to, like, temporarily reform it until they can get the ideal thing they want. And this kind of creates an avenue for, like, the villains to regroup and try and, like, take it over again, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, though not. It's kind of fun. Though I admit when I was watching the last episode, I was also like, uh, the writer of the show might also be liberal and not realize that he himself cannot escape <laughs> the desire grand P, <laughs> which is a bit unfortunate. Uh, I do think Geats as a character, I feel like my interest in him peaks, uh, when he gets his final form. And after that, I'm sort of like, ah, oh, we're, we're just, this is fine. I'm more, by the last 10 episodes, I'm more interested in whatever Kikara and Kawa is up to. And then that resolves, and then like the last episode's like, oh, it's it's fine, it's okay, it's all right, it's an ending. Uh, Incidentally, I'm gonna send <laughs> some good Kakara lines in the chat. Um, and then just like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I felt the ending is like, oh, it's, they got a happy ending. It was all right. Uh, it is interesting. Just think about like this is the guy who did X Eight, and so like a lot of the games and stuff. He was directly saying, like, yeah, I did, like, games as, like, a motif in, like, x but this, like, doing a game show thing lets me, like, create different games the writers could do, which I think is interesting. I don't really see much of a thematic through line with Zero One, but, like, 
there is sort of like the navigator character Surumi, who's sort of like a helper person for the show, and it kind of fills a similar role to like Izu from Zero One as like the you know the protagonist of Zero One's robot butler helper, uh, who becomes like an important mm-hmm. uh, source of like emotional conflict in Lesser Sotho for reasons. Uh, but yeah. This dude that you've sent screenshots of seems like the coolest guy in the world. He is. He is. He is the best character. He's so amazing. Uh, he does this thing where, like, as at some point, he just like does rider poses uh, when holding people hostage, and it's funny. <laughs> it's <amazing. laughs> uh, you, you keep referencing the the whole like wish thing, and this whole time I've just been thinking in my head like. There's a galaxy brain person out there somewhere in the world that could get a hold of Common Rider and be like, going to make a Tarkovsky-inspired stalker season. <laughs> that sounds oh God. super cool. Uh, I've been thinking about... Uh, I've been thinking I should watch Stalker because I read Roadside Picnic a couple years back. Um, uh, I, I like Stalker a lot. I, I need to finish reading Roadside Picnic. Did That's you a good just pronounce book. Picnic like Yogi Bear? Picnic? No, I, I, no, I, I'm not. I, re- I real, I realize, I real, no, I realize, um, I realize, Mel, you did not, uh, you did not do this. But to my ears, um, it there was a brief pause between pick and nick that made it sound like picnic, oh, like my bad. like picnic basket baskets, and I was like, what? Uh, my bad. Um, no, that's fine. I was just, I had to, I, it, it was a thought that landed in my brain and I was like, I don't have to say this, but I had to. Yeah. I also want to read Other Side Picnic, because uh, I heard the novels are good. Uh, the show seems... The anime was bad, which I dropped. Yeah. But, you know. uh, but Extremely yeah, cheap. Uh, yeah. Uh, just, just as a note, there's some other notable characters that I forgot to mention. There's like Daichi, who's like, Kamara Nad Sparrow, who's just a guy who sucks extremely. Uh, Glasses Nerd guy who tries to betray everyone, and everyone just like sick of him by the end. Uh, but, you know, has an arc. Uh, there's a guy called Conrad Punk Jack. His name is Hallelujah Ween. Uh, he's dressed like from, he's from Hot Topic. Uh, I love to up. be called Hallelujah Ween. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when he first shows up, uh, he never detransforms, and he just pretends to be like a CPU just to fuck with everyone. <laughs> and uh, then he disappears for half the show and comes back to read everyone Wikipedia articles, and he's great. <laughs> nice. Uh, he needs more love, uh, but there's a lot of fun characters in the show. It, d- it definitely is like of the Modern Rider shows. Um, mm-hmm. If you count Modern Rider from like the Ray Rider, I guess. Um, I feel like this is the best of the four I've seen. Um, but, you know, still has a lot of the issues. Uh, I feel like... I feel like... Uh, it's hard for me to, like, say the, the modern era... Like, the... Because it's been the continuous, I feel like they're, like, a, a lot of the trends since, like, Gaimer, for instance, have just been, like... Everything since has been carrying over to that, and so there's, like, you know... It's not like there was a clean break when the Heisei era ended, and, like, a oh we're doing Ryder differently now with a purpose it was just more like a continuation of the same trends uh and I think you know ironically enough I feel like a lot of those trends are like because of Yuya Takahashi's shows because I feel like you know you had like 
Gaim and then Drive and Ghost. And then you had like X-Aid, which I feel like this is like, oh yeah, we're doing like kind of like a Gaim thing again. And then Bill continued that. Uh, and then Zero One's been more of that. And it feels like, oh yeah, the guy who's running these shows, Yuya Takahashi, is like contributing to the current formula a lot. But also I feel like he's the one who maybe has done that formula the best. Because I feel like his shows are like more than the other ones who are like in this mode in the modern era, which is weird. It's weird to think about in that way. And obviously, obviously it's not like, it's not like, a lot of this is also just directives from above because they have to sell toys and like the common Rider's toys sell and monster toys do not. And that's why you get more and more rider pushing for merchandise because the people at Toei and Bandai are like, we need more riders because that's what sells kind of thing. And it's not necessarily like, I think other writer though also, I did see that the writer also likes to just give actors who do good performances make them a writer because he thinks it'd be cool which is also like nah dude don't do that I don't know um, yeah it kind of sucks yeah it's like I'd say there's like a B tier writer show like you know it's enjoyable I think it's worth watching uh, worth criticizing for sure um, I still think like the earliest Heisei era is still my favorite era of writer though I haven't really touched show stuff but it is like you know I fell behind it a lot, and maybe maybe binging it helps because I feel like maybe I'd have be more irritated with it um, if I was watching week to week because it's easier for those like issues to like snowball when you're like waiting between episodes rather than just like watching the one go on a plane. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, the show's over now. Uh, apparently, the first season of the new show Gotchard starts yesterday. I can't. Get over the fact yeah. they called us a motherfucker Gotchard. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do like the suit of Gotchard. I'm hoping it's good. It looks like it'll be different. There's only one writer to start and one I'm going to look writer. Up. I'm going to look up Gotchard. He's got a nice suit. Uh, he's about like a high school kid, so it'll be like, you know, maybe we'll have a Forza type thing again, which is nice because Forza is my favorite. Uh, also, uh, looking forward to Gotchard because um, uh, one of the main writers for the show is Keiji Hasegawa, who has written. A number of shows that I like. Cool. Uh, and I can't say what any of those shows are because we're going to cover all of them on this podcast. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I see. I see. Um, I think I like this gotchard helmet more in theory than in practice. I, I like it. I think it's nice. I like the eyes. Yeah. Oh, I uh, didn't. See. I didn't notice that it's got kind of like two sets of eyes, and one of them's kind of goggles. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, He's got Naruto goggles from before yes. he had the headband. <laughs> before it was like, oh, drawing this fucking sucks every week. <laughs> it was re- reading reading that in the notes. It's like, well, I I don't. He why does he have a headband? Why did we have the head? I invented headbands so that I didn't have to draw the fucking goggles every time. It's really funny because like he only gets through like two chapters before the headband is a thing. <laughs> oh, that's funny. My my favorite will always be the second Sasuke outfit with the fucking arm strap shit, and he's just like, I ain't fucking doing that. <laughs> uh, I have never touched Naruto, uh, and I will not start. You're fine. Yeah. Also, just. You're, you're the the, on, the uh, only important thing you need to know about Naruto uh, is that him and Sa- the f- within thirty seconds of him of Sasuke being on screen, Naruto has kissed him. <laughs> cool. 
Uh, and yeah, just quickly, uh, I'll just give a brief, briefest of King Oger updates. Uh, last time I tried to do this, we lost the audio. Uh, so it's been a bit, uh, last time, like the, uh, this six ranger is a good addition. His name is Jeremy. He's a spider guy. Uh, he's secretly the narrator of the show. Uh, he's a storyteller. He, him being introduced helped like, you know, add some more fodder for the characters as to discover their past because he's like an old guy who was like doing prophecies, uh, which led to this funny tweet, which, you know, you can just read that. Uh, uh current sixth ranger dynamic in king oja is a guy showing up telling a group of 9-11 survivors that he orchestrated all historical events of the last 2000 years and when they ask him if he did 9-11 he's like what is 9-11 <laughs> <laughs> what? uh that's basically what happens uh and he's his thing is like oh I'm, he's like has connections with like the the antagonist group, the Bugnarok, and is sympathetic to them, and he's like, oh yeah, I want to be a king myself. And like for a bit, Gira is sidelined. And so, you know, you get stuff between Jeremy bonding with the other rangers, and it's good. Uh, then, you know, things kick into hiding again when Gira and Reckless start the conflict anew, go into the second half of the show with a lot of momentum, uh, which is why uh, they wrap up the main plot halfway through the show, uh, do a Tears Kind skip now, uh, and now it's King Order Season 2. Oh, hell yeah. They're going to space. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you do. Uh, and that is why I want... That's what Season 2s were made yeah, for. Yeah, and that is why uh, I wanted to <laughs> just cover King Order now, because I'm like, well... Uh, this makes sense. On, from, this point, from this point on the show, it's going to be completely different, <laughs> so I just wanted to get that out of the way. Yeah, that makes some uh, sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> giving you the broadest strokes so you can go watch a spo- show unspoiled um yeah uh but yeah i'm definitely good for now sick king oja seems like a good time it is a good time it's a really good sentai season sentai's nice. really good right now Sen- sentai's sentai's been crazy good this week for like three years in a row it seems like yeah four four years i'd argue but like, yeah. ah, nice well i guess i guess uh i don't know i don't know how dates work uh, let's call up Gregor. Um, or Gregory. I don't know, I, I don't actually know whether it's Greg, Gregor, or Gregory, whoever makes the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pub, probably Pub Gregory or something. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, before, I'm done with my shit, so I'm assuming we're going to the episodes right after this, right? Uh, Yes. Uh, there was one thing I wanted to say first. Uh, that's uh, more of a that's like related to Alt-Q stuff. Okay, uh, go for it. This I need to atone for a crime. I made a mistake way back in episode ten. Uh, now, are you saying that there's been a misunderstanding? Misunderstanding. Yes, <laughs> yes there's been a misunderstanding. I misread some some numbers. Way back in episode 10, our first Ultraman episodes, I talked about how the 28th episode of Ultra Q was postponed uh, because uh, unlike Totala, uh, a train doesn't count as a kaiju, so they postponed it. <laughs> uh, I was mistaken in thinking that they postponed it to within Ultraman's run. This was 
very, very wrong. Uh, it was actually... It was not did not air in 1966. Uh, it aired in 1967, in the middle of Ultra Seven's run. What After are they doing? What the fuck? And all of, all of Captain Ultra. Uh, what? Do you want even funnier? Uh, do you not know what Ultra Seven episode aired the same week? Which one? <laughs> Alien Spell. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Holy sh! That's so they, okay. So long now, after. in ultra modern Ultra Seven Blu-rays, should include in place of Alien Spell, they should include Open Up from Ultra Q. Yes. yes. So oh, that'd be fun. Uh, it is just really funny. Just like I should have read the dates correctly. Uh, but like oh my god, it is just funny. Just like oh yeah, the same week as the band episode of Ultra Seven, we get like <laughs> the actual ending of Ultra Q. Why? They... That's so long after. Yeah, I'm just like, why? Like, if if it was a few months later in all like that's when I wouldn't even bother. Yeah, it's just it's just a weird thing. God damn, that's strange. Maybe it's because June's actor is just in the show more often. He's like, what about that one fucking thing that we you, we filmed the whole goddamn <laughs> episode? You never put it out. <laughs> put that shit out. June, June's rocking. June's rocking up to set. You. You know what? I never, I never saw that episode where I ditched Ipe. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that episode. Oh yeah, it's in the vault. Let's put it on. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah. Yep. That's that's last of the crimes dealt with. Well, misunderstanding. Uh, Re- reset the misunderstanding yep. counter. Re- reset the counter. How many days without misunderstandings? All right. <clears throat> now. Ultra 7. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let me pull up some stuff. Okay, so we're going to talk about episode 22 of Ultra 7, which is called Human Farms. And uh, I think you mean... Okay, this book is... I, I do not like this title, The Human Farm. No. Okay. Human Farm. That's a very different that's tone. Incorrect. Like, that's incorrect. That's a completely different vibe. It's just yeah. wrong. It's just not true. It is just, It is wrong. Uh while also on this note, though, I when the episode title card came up, like, you know, in the opening or whatever, um, I did have the moment where I was like, you know, this does follow the alien naming scheme. The human for farm. <laughs> the human farm. Like, you know, alien wild, it's, alien it's Icarus, the human farm. farm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guy called farm. Cursed. Cursed. There we go, that's the episode title. Guy called Farm. Easy. Alright. So. Oh, okay, class, we're going to the farm. Kid name Farm. <laughs> Kid name Farm. <laughs> Alright. I'm gonna blitz I'm gonna blitz through this summary. Um in which I've misspelled Ruriko. Let me correct this quickly. There we go. Okay. In a house by the sea. Anne attends a birthday party for a friend of hers called Rurika. Um, the two of them hear the family dog outside squeal, and they go to see what's the matter, finding the dog's collar and pools of blood, but no dog. Uh, they split up, and Rurika is abducted by an alien, which had come from the sea. Uh, Anne calls the guard, and the investigation begins. On a UFO out at sea, uh, Rurika is subjected to bubbles. Um... <laughs> 
and is then it's so silly. and is then returned. Uh, the Ultra Guard find her and bring her back to base, where they find a strange growth on her arm. Uh, Ruriko's skin begins to turn green. Not a good sign. At a moment when Anne is alone with Ruriko, the alien appears in the medical bay and attacks Anne, knocking her unconscious. Uh, Dan appears and fights off the creature, eventually needing help himself but uh, managing to dispose of it. Um, but Anne won't wake up. Uh, investigation of the growth on, Uriko, on Ruriko's arm uh, finds that these are spores which the aliens consume and which only grow in women. Uh, it's then revealed that all over the world people have reported, like, use like just female animals going missing which is a ridiculous plot point but okay uh <laughs> didn't wasn't necessary but thank you uh something for jun to report uh ruriko and Anne must be quarantined uh and they do not have long to live uh, dan asks how they may be saved and a doctor says perhaps by blasting them with radiation from an element that is only found on saturn um <laughs> so true <laughs> That's what I need. I think that would fix my life. Um, and everyone's like, Saturn is way too far away. Uh, the only it's a, person... It's three days away. Yeah, the only, only person who, the only person who could make it in time would be Ultra 7. And Dan's like, okay, well, I have to figure out how to do this discreetly. Um, <laughs> the aliens attack. Dan's lucky day. Uh, so last week... I said, Dan doesn't give a fuck. He does. He put, he just doesn't put in the effort that Hayato used to put in to transform discreetly. I apologize to Dan. I take that back. Dan heads out in an Ultra Hawk and deliberately gets himself shot down so he can turn into Ultra 7. Uh, he flies to Saturn while Furuhashi, Soga, and Amagi do uh, Voltaire's five spin moves um, in another Ultra Hawk to defeat the alien invasion force. Um... Ultra 7 retrieves the element and Ruriko and Anne are saved, but no one knows how to tell Anne that Dan is dead. Meanwhile, Dan is not dead. He's somewhere else in the building, sketching Saturn with a big smile on his face. The end. <laughs> the is I, so I so love amused. how they say, well, it's Dan, so he's probably alive. Hopefully he turns up and then just cuts to it's Dan so like, funny. yeah, fine, I can take my time. <laughs> he's like, they know painting. the drill. Uh... I liked this episode, I feel like, more than I should have. Oh, no, I, I uh, think this episode's great. <laughs> it, the menace of the alien in the early bits of this episode is so good, and the, 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 the punctuation mark at the end of it of actually seeing it when it just shows up in the med bay, and it looks like a dumb little, like, meat pillar with legs and googly <laughs> eyes. Incredible reveal. I lost my mind. I was sad, actually, when it grew arms, because I wanted to have to imagine how it killed that dog it's, with no it's arms. Not, it's not quite up there with the ridiculousness of the plant guy stepping out of the cupboard um, from Ultraman, but it, it is you know, approaching that level of just Anne turns around and there's just ridiculous thing right there just going, like this, this looks like if some college students were trying to make a live-action Mario, this is what the Goombas would have been. What the fuck? <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a description. It is a description. <laughs> um... The, yeah, the, the act that, you know, there's gender happening in this episode. Uh, there's like, uh... uh First of all, this this is just it. It's weird because this is just kind of like like a like a patriarchy metaphor 
kind of. Like, this is, you know, just use, using women as farms for children. is just, it's, like, it's weird, but, like... Yeah. I, like, I don't... I, yeah. I don't, I don't know that it's like, deliberate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was weird. They're just like, oh, man. They're, they need women specifically. Which also feels weird, because you also have, like, alien spell being like, we need women and children specifically for our blood farm or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, like, a real, like, women have the essence of life that, like, aliens want to use for nefarious purposes that is kind of, like, an undercurrent to a lot of these episode Mm -hmm. plots. Um, And also, of course, then, too, like, the the two female characters we have immediately imperiled and, like, need to be put in a position where the men need to resolve the problem, which, like, also I was like, okay, that isn't great. It's very Um, funny they invented a woman to imperil so they didn't have to imperil Anne and then then just, like, (laughs) was just, like, knocked her out anyway. (laughs) That's what I was thinking, too. I was like, oh, okay, so, like, it's, the whole thing's gonna be about saving her, and then Anne gets got to, and it's like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> that didn't last long. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, this is, like, this is, like, gender essentialism on just, like, extreme, like, pulpy sci-fi level, um, that I'm, I'm, you know, this is, this is, this is, it's the, it's the 60s, this is how it is. This is, this is what it's like. <laughs> yeah. Um. Tune in for a uh, next season where we're finally in the seventies. I yeah. I did enjoy how the episode, and this is something I feel like we haven't really had before that I can think of. But like, the episode kind of went from like, oh, okay, like there's obviously aliens up to like no good nefarious things, but then like towards the end, it's more like we gotta get the special element to save our friends who are like. <laughs> poisoned into weird green farms mm-hmm. <laughs> which which was kind of fun um like the the alien invasion thing kind of just becomes like a, a thing for the the ultra hawk to deal with uh, off to the side while ultra seven's racing into outer space yeah. um i was like that's a nice change of pace it is uh what, what's the what, what's the funny little alien man called did we get a name uh, alien brocco i think alien Brocco. Brocco. Okay. I don't know if I'm, I'm looking at like some, some behind the scenes stuff at the moment. Just I, I don't know do what that before. means, but he does. Um, yeah. Yeah. The uh, also fun fun fact. Apparently, this this episode was shot entirely by the special effects team without the drama team. It in, like, fucking looks oh. like it. So yeah, there's, there is a lot of the thing that I was gonna say was there is a lot of shit in this episode with just like. Um, just like like filming things in sepia for seemingly no reason, uh, and then that was just weird. Constantly like uh playing with just like the the color of the scene and and then you know things like turning turning a woman green. Um, it yeah, just it felt a, like it, a... it felt like going all in on special effects in a way that like Hajime doesn't like Hajime does big explosions. <laughs> Hajime, Hajime yeah. the it Michael felt, Bay of Tsuburaya Productions. It, it, it felt, it felt like uh, going all, all in on special effects in a way just Soji doesn't while trying to be Zoshi. Maybe. Yes, That's, I was, I, I was going to say there was a, a split second thought I had halfway through this episode where I was like, this episode is so weird about women. Was this a just Soji one? And then I was like, wait, no, there's, it's not shot anything like what he does. He's in, he's in, he's in, a, he's in Kyoto right now. He's doing uh, period dramas. Um, yeah, he, he's in Paris. He's in Paris. <laughs> he's um the um uh what was I gonna say? I was gonna say uh never mind. It was not important. Yeah. 
Also, apparently, um, Alien Baraka was inspired by, like, some of the alien designs of an artist called Ed Cartier. Ed Cartier. Um, I don't think I've heard, uh, at least at the very least, I don't think I recognize the name off the top of my head. Ed Cartier. F- found this on, the, you know, the Altopia Baraka, as usual. Oh, these are amazing pictures. <laughs> Let's see. Ooh, yes, these are very pulpy and fun. Cool. Yeah. Um, oh, hmm, I've just seen one called the Spark of Allah. Well, so let's, you know, I'll, I'll temper my enthusiasm slightly. <laughs> this is uh, some, yeah, this is some shit. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, goddamn. It's, a lot of this is very cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, it is funny that like they just spin the Ultra Hawk and like disrupt the yeah. tractor beam that Ultra Hawk just having. Yeah. And everyone's fine. No one needs time to recover. <laughs> I love the but right. The bubbles um thing is the most just fucking I don't know if it's quite Star Trek or if it's like So there's a show so it's not even quite it's Doctor Who. But it's also like is it not is it too obvious and cheap and easy for Doctor Who? So there's a show called Blake Seven. Um, which is, uh, honestly kind of really, it's kind of sick. It's kind of cool. Um, British BBC show, um, that's kind of about, uh, it's about a bunch of rebels, uh, trying to fight, um, like, uh, it's kind of about the IRA. It's kind of about, about a bunch of guys who are like heroic IRA guys fighting, uh, fighting the power um and uh it's like a level of cheap beyond a lot of doctor who um and that's kind of that's that's some of its reputation is just like damn these effects are like they're not even charming there's just like this is (laughs) this is like bare minimum um and this is like you know just floating some bubbles at a woman and just going, ooh, menacing. (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) Like seven level effects. That bubble chamber made me lose my goddamn mind because it just like cuts to her like awkwardly sitting on this big platform and just these giant jet stream of bubbles like you'd see at some fucking like playhouse somewhere just swirling around. Uh, They they, they want to use their bubble tech. And like people, they're like, yeah. why? <laughs> why? What are the um, bubbles for? What are the bubbles for? This episode was uh, directed by Toshitsugu Suzuki, uh, who we all know for uh, being the Mephilus guy, uh, and also for writing half this, or direct, sorry, directing half this fucking show, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then written by someone who I do not remember if I talked about or not in the ultra q uh crew cleanup but we have someone who was gone for ultraman but uh did help out on ultra q um we have uh the writer hiroyasu yamaura who did the uh train episode of ultra q uh, the ragon which, episode uh, which train episode of ultra q so, god damn it i always do this i always do this um uh the the fast one oh okay that okay. ends terribly <laughs> the, the first instance um, of me saying oh shit this is first. thunderbirds <laughs> Yes. Um, 
the Ragon episode, uh, and then also the uh, Who Could Forget the Total episode. <laughs> oh, of course. Um, so, uh, just in case I didn't cover this, uh, I may not have because honestly there's so little, but I, I tried to dig for as much as I can about this guy. Uh, he wrote for a lot of anime and uh, TV shows. Uh, notably, he helped out on Mazinger Z, Galaxy Express 999, Lupin the Third Part 2, and oh. then also, uh, for our interests, wrote the first and eighth episodes of Space Runaway Idiot. Ooh, <laughs> that's sick. Um, nice. Something else I found, which is also notable, is he wrote the original screenplay for the 14th Godzilla film, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Um, but isn't the sole writing credit because later on it would be revised by another writer uh, after Yamaura became too busy to continue his work. And I was like, that's interesting because I feel like in this particular like creative space, like working at a Godzilla movie seems like a big deal. Um, and I looked into it and also apparently uh, he was at first reportedly very excited to get the opportunity to work on a Godzilla movie, but then became less enthusiastic about it when he learned that Godzilla was going to be depicted as a hero. Okay. So. Yeah. Nice. Um, okay. Nice. Uh, no capsule monsters this episode. Also, the update comes at the end, but also no capsule monsters yeah. this episode. Um... Do we have anything else to say about episode uh, 22? I th th is it unhinged if I say I think this was my favorite episode of the three? Uh, it is unhinged I think this because might episode 24 exists, but uh, yeah, you're allowed. Four is pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, opinions are opinions. Uh, we cannot take them from you. Listen, that alien man will forever be burned into my brain when he shows up in that med bay. <laughs> Incredible moment. <laughs> Uh, we can move on to episode 23. Search for tomorrow. Is that correct? Am I going to get corrected? Yes. Okay. I feel, nailed, I feel like it. this title is way cooler than the episode deserves, but anyway. This mean to the episode. But, uh, yeah, the of these three, this is the weakest of the episodes. Um, but I think this, I think this is our first batch in a while where I've been like, I've been up on all three episodes, probably. Same. That's um, fair, yeah. Like none of these, uh, none of these for me. Where I'm like, oh, this is all right. Like I think I, I I'm pretty up on all three mm. of these. An old man is being menaced by people he claims are aliens who have come to kill him, and he's rescued by the ultra. Menaced guard. with a truck. Yes, menaced with a truck that's got chains attached to it for some reason. Um, the old man is Yasui, uh, a fortune teller who has seen a dreadful future: the destruction of Warehouse Number Three. Uh, warehouse Number Three is secretly the site where the TDF invent weapons that they should not be inventing. Ah, yes, humanity's noble expansion into the stars, our friendly interaction with aliens. Was that interplanetary ballistic missiles? Well, yeah. Do we need some some of them? Of course. <laughs> uh, no wonder all the aliens want humanity gone. Um, anyway. Yasui also predicts that in the investigation of Warehouse 3, the captain will be injured. The captain takes this very seriously and orders multiple investigations that turn up nothing. Everyone else thinks this is a bit silly. And they're like, maybe the captain believes in human precognition. And I'm like, maybe he's realized a normal civilian wouldn't know what Warehouse Number 3 is. Um, <laughs> anyway, Yasui is removed from the base despite his insistence aliens are coming to kill him. Uh, realizing he can't make the team pursue leads given to them by a fortune teller, uh, the captain takes some leave to investigate on his own. 
and the TDF uh, colonel dude gives him a gun before he goes. Uh, Manabe. Manabe. Somehow I have memorized his name. Thank you. Uh, He's not Jun, so he doesn't matter as much, but you know. Yeah, this is true. I tried to put him in the word. Oh. <laughs> I love how that was the exact same <laughs> thought I had. I was like, oh, that's the guy who isn't Jun. <laughs> so there's, there's two guys. One of them isn't I mean, Jun, te- and one yeah. of them is. Technically speaking, technically speaking, the other guy is still not Jun. But, what are you talking about? You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is what happened after Ultra Q. Yeah. Of course. This is canon. He joined up. He had to take a new name, though. Just like Farashi's a uh, cover for Arashi. This yeah. is this was uh, the, one of the first things we latched onto in Ultra Q was the fact that Jun had just decided that it was his job to fight Kaiju now. <laughs> now he's like, finally, a legal, a legal yeah. framework <laughs> for which I can he do joined this. Up. <laughs> um. Uh, yes. Where was I? Yes. He gives him the gun before he goes. It's about now that Dan returns from a mission in space and has to be caught up on the plot. Uh, he decides to investigate alongside the captain. Uh, Yasmi is kidnapped by the aliens in a classic sequence where every person he tries to get help from turns around and reveals themselves to be an alien. Uh... This would have got me so good as a kid. I yeah. could feel it. Uh, Dan and the captain meet at night outside warehouse number three. Uh, they witness an attack and the captain is injured. Everyone on the team feels kind of bad for doubting Yasui, uh, and the squad is back in action to find and rescue him. Uh, they stage a raid on the landed alien UFO, uh, where Yasui is being held and tortured for information and offered deals to make false predictions. Um, the raid on the UFO goes awry, and the ship tries to fly away with Dan and Soga on it. Um, Soga is knocked out. Dan turns into Ultra 7. The ship crashes and launches a kaiju just from nowhere. Uh, which Ultra 7 beheads and the aliens release Yasui. Yasui's like... Uh, you forgot the part where the head hovers remotely and bites Ultra 7. I'm about to get to that. Uh, okay. Yasui's like, listen, you and I both know what this show is, so you best expect the aliens to betray your trust. Uh, then suddenly, the aliens betray Ultra 7's trust. They control the head of the kaiju and use it to attack Ultra 7. Uh, he wrecks the spaceship, which is the source of the signal controlling the head, and the day is saved. Uh, he turns back into Dan and pulls Soga from the wreckage. The guard asks Yasui if he has any more predictions, and Yasui says, with joy and relief, that his ESP is gone for good. The narrator tells us, if you have ESP, don't predict it, alien invasions. <laughs> and I get out of my seat to applaud this wisdom. I... <laughs> Life-altering advice, Genuinely, honestly. I've... I never knew what to use my ESP for. I've been making for. this mistake so much. I'm predicting so many aliens. And by predicting them, they become real. That's how, it, if if the, if I don't predict them, there will be no invasion. So it's fine. Uh, I also love how um, when the severed head of this fucking thing latches onto Ultra 7, the fortune teller goes, oh no, it uses poison. First of all, I was like, how do you know that? I, mean, he, I guess he predicted he, it. He predicted he it. But, he just like... Uh, the aliens are like, yo, you should take him false protections, they won't let you go. And he's like, ah, oh, yes, because you'll destroy the TDF base. <laughs> oh, wait, I don't mean, I mean, I didn't think of that. Um, but then, but then he's struggling with Ultra 7, and the guy's like, oh, to, to take out the head, you need to destroy the ship, that's how they're controlling it. And then he takes out the head, and then they just do not deal with the fact he just got ejected with the poison. <laughs> he's fine. He's fine, uh, that body goes away. Yeah, that one goes away. Uh, um, I do like the touch that, like, you can see Dan is visibly injured uh, at the end. 
Ah. Yeah. I hadn't noticed that, but yes, that's cool. This thing's got a nasty mane of hair. Yeah. So the ca- note, uh, oh, the kaiju is called Gabara. Uh, most generic ultra kaiju name there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the aliens are called Alien Shadow. They're cool. Yeah, uh, the the book summary calls it Gubla, <laughs> which is gross. <laughs> um, oh, no. These aliens are just incredible, like Doctor Who type shit. Fantastic. Love their uniform. Um, I love their chiseled faces. So good. Like, like the noses are like inverted inside them. Uh huh. Cool. It's fantastic. They got like weird, like bat almost like ear like headpiece type things it, it's neat um and uh them showing up as like taxi drivers and uh people running like convenience stores uh ladies sobbing under the overpass yeah, for, for, for yasui to go like oh is there anything wrong and then the face comes in you go you have to help me and turn around and it's another alien oh, it's, I'm, I'm taxi taxi please help and it's another alien um fantastic i like the like the taxi, aliens all the way like down. The taxi just faded into the truck again. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the truck's back. Well, we've tied chains to it. Don't know why. It's to make it more menacing. Um, the actual like uh substance of this episode is the captain is into human. He be- he fundamentally believes in human precognition. Um. And that's the that's the stakes is <laughs> the, the, the um I I believe in human precognition Dan and Dan's like I, okay <laughs> I there's also a really corny line where I think Dan says it looks like the tomorrow you're searching for has come <laughs> um uh it is weird how everyone is like ESP ridiculous in the show about aliens. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, uh, Dan, who could just see through walls and also hear through it. They, they, no one has yet to ask him any of that. We have, no one has Eday'd it a little, even a little bit. Eday, Eday was nope. constantly like, that motherfucker Ultraman. <laughs> <laughs> I think that motherfucker's Ultraman. Uh, no one's cottoned on this time. Um, we got a, uh, the captain, um, I, it's just, I, the theme is, the theme is just complete nonsense. It's, I, like, I, I don't, it's, <laughs> like, is it about, like, the, the, it's just so, so directly about ESP that is, is, is it about, like, the believe, like, trust in people? Like, but the narrator's like, well, you know, ESP. And I'm like, are you genuinely talking about ESP? Is that genuinely what we're talking about? Not like something that (laughs) it's implied? (laughs) It's so weird. Um, It is is funny. Just like, everyone's like, nah, you're not being really attacked. uh, Despite, you know, the fact he's in their med bay because he got shot in the leg. Yeah, he got like a knife thrown at him. It was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they're like no nah, you're fine you can go you can go back home and the captain's like whatever you do whatever you do not take a single step out of your home here's a crying woman well I time to step out of my home I mean he's, he's <laughs> out, I, the, the oldest the trick in the book he never even got a chance to set, set foot in his home oh uh, yeah 
Yeah. Brett. He's left in the middle of like... Yeah, I think he was on his way back. Oh, yeah, so he... They didn't even drop him off at his house, which is, you know... Yeah, why didn't they drop Gosh. him off home? Holy shit. That's <laughs> so rude. They just showed him the door. <laughs> they were like, well, you have wasted enough of our time. Goodbye. <laughs> That's fucked up. Uh, this was Go ahead. directed and written by Samaji Nonagase. Uh, and then also uh, helping out for the writing was uh, Shozo Uehara. I guess Nonagase is really into fortune tellers. Nonagase is, I feel like, not the strongest writer when we get writing credits for him. Like, he did the the one we talked about last time with the uh, couple that... Oh, the, the weird, the freak being... couple? The freak couple, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then also, too, I guess the looking they at... Are, U- U- they are, absolute, well, they are absolutely reenacting that incident later. Uh, anyway, continue. <laughs> Uh, Uehara has also been like kind of like I guess kind of hit or miss I guess for Ultra 7 for us because did do the um, like children with the toy guns like puppet episode thing or mm-hmm. whatever uh, which I think overall yeah. like I like the writing for that one but then also did the underground like uh, learning the the origin story of the Dan identity thing which is I don't think the best written thing in the world so um, yeah well uh the uh, the other i will say we 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 did kind of skim past it because it's not actually important but i do there's like a a non-insignificant portion of this episode that is just like dan and soga going to the base right Mm -hmm. yes it's just them going hallway through hallway having a shootout with these funny little alien men and i i thought that That, was a good time that was a good time they do it as a result of amagi develops it because they go to a site where the the fortune us yes he says that the aliens should be and they don't find anything and they're like this guy and then they go back again later with a device that amagi has made to see things that are invisible and they see all the aliens and what we have is we have amagi looking through his camera as like soga and dan are like walking up to people and going like is he is he here is he is this is this where the alien is and then like tackling like air <laughs> yeah um, it's pretty funny i had to like rewatch that bitch because like, what happened here what is what's going on dan uh it's so silly it's great um what do i just 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 be like the uh, we, we don't we don't have to dress anyone up up in suits for this one we're good just tackle the air. Um, do we have anything more to say about episode 20, uh, 23? I feel... I, I This has this is the second uh, weirdest moral of a story that Ultra 7 has had so far. <laughs> what was the first? Just the neighbors alone? Uh, kids, if your neighbors are a little weird, call the police. <laughs> <laughs> They might be aliens from another world. See, that one I at least understand in the sense of like, okay, this is definitely a real thing that assholes would say. This one's just like, I feel like I'm talking to some weird dude <laughs> who really, really watches way too much, like, bad, like, history mm-hmm. channel or, like, National Geographic conspiracy theory programming, and I really want to leave and he won't let yeah. me. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Mel, anything? Nah, nah, it's pretty straightforward. Cool. 
we can talk about episode 24 return to the north um i have returned this is what people tell me when they're done hanging out with me and they want me to go back to return wisconsin to this, the me, north. this is me going back to uh, canada toronto yeah, to- <laughs> uh this is this is return me. to this- uh return to Curran. Uh, this is me every time I see how much things cost around here where I live these days when I used to live in like the Midlands um, and things were way cheaper. Turns out the closer you get to London, the more expensive shit gets. That makes sense. Well, now that all three of us have semi-doxed ourselves, let's <laughs> get into the episode. Uh, it's Furuhashi time, baby. His mum's ill. Finally. And he returns to Hokkaido to visit her, only to learn from his, his sister. She's faking it and just wants to persuade him to give up his job at the Ultra Guard and start running the family farm. Furuhashi is instantly just like, nope, fuck that. Going back to base. <laughs> um, a TDF patrol craft has collided with a passenger plane. Uh, Furuhashi is ordered to investigate, but gets a call. Uh, his mum has followed him back and wants to see him. Uh, despite the rest of the Ultra Guard volunteering to do the investigation, Furuhashi insists he does not intend to talk to his mother right now. He's going on patrol. Anne, go deal with my mother. <laughs> this... <laughs> I just I just want to point out that, like, this episode has a lot of, like, the guys at the Ultra Guard just being children. Yes, yes, it does. In so many ways. Like, uh, everyone yeah. fighting to reach the phone first, and everyone fighting, oh, I'll go on patrol, no, I'll go on patrol, no, I'll go on patrol. It's, uh, um... And then just being like, uh, who should I go to send to deal with, deal with my mother? Woman? <laughs> go on. <laughs> this is uh, the most fucked up thing anyone has done in this show. <laughs> and that's saying a lot, considering we talked about women becoming farms yes. in, in, like, not, not 30 minutes yes. ago. <laughs> um, during the investigation, uh, Furuhashi's controls... Oh, I sh- it should be mentioned, Dan... Uh, real one goes uh, with Anne. Um, he's just like, I, you know, that kind of sucks. He will regret this. <laughs> he, he will regret this. Like, uh, <laughs> during the investigation, Furuhashi's controls jam, and he reports it as though the craft is being remote controlled. A passenger plane has suffered the same fate, and the two planes are now on a collision course. Uh, Furuhashi sets a self-destruct timer to 360 seconds and pulls the eject, but he does not eject. He's stuck. Uh, Kiri- The captain comes to a difficult conclusion. If nothing can be done, Furuhashi will have to let himself die in the self-destruction, which will save 300 civilians. Uh, Meanwhile, Anne and Dan have been looking after Furuhashi's mother. Uh, which has kind of sucked. Uh, and Dan is called back to base uh, to chase down Furuhashi and see if anything can be done. Anne brings Furuhashi's mother back to base. Uh, Furuhashi talks to his mother over the radio, knowing that it might be the last conversation they ever have. Uh, but Dan is working hard to ensure that's not the case. He's found a lighthouse nearby where Furuhashi lost control and is shooting weird beams into the sky. The first of two incredible things happens. Inside, we see Alien Kanan. What are you doing here? Let's go. I, I, when I watched this, it didn't click right away until it cut to like the next shot. And I was like, wait a minute. I recognize that be like outfit anywhere. And I had to rewind and I went, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, fantastic. Um, 
our timing on this was hilarious because this is like uh, this this is the yes. funniest way we could have experienced this. Yes, <laughs> this is like within like two weeks. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Anyway, the next incredible thing happens. Dan deploys a capsule kaiju. We're so back. Um. Finally. The capsule and it achieves so much. <laughs> the capsule Kaijo is robotic and immediately gets hacked by the Kanan. It's over. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, almost, almost like some sort of a Earthian Garon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's. Uh, I did. Yeah, I made the connection pretty quick. I was like, oh, I see. Okay, the callback is is significant. Um. Dan turns into Ultra 7 and has to have a pretty interesting fight as he does not want to kill his Pokemon. Uh, he manages to save the Kaiju from the hack and then as the Kanan attempt to flee in their lighthouse, which is a rocket ship in disguise, Ultra 7 shoots them down. Uh, Furuhashi suddenly has control Call again. Callbacks. Uh, suddenly has control again and swerves the oncoming plane. Um, he turns off the self-destruct and returns to base to find his mother has already returned to Hokkaido and he seems a little disappointed. Um... The captain gives him one more job. Patrol Hokkaido. Uh, Furuhashi does not actually fly home and see his mother. He flies over Hokkaido at sunset and has a conversation with the ridiculous edited-in image of his mother in the window, who accepts that his place is in the Ultra Guard. The end. That was really weird. Yeah, I, I also was like... This this conversation would seem so much more normal if they were like in her kitchen or something, and not like whatever the fuck they did. I, now I'm I'm almost it's it's almost like if this was legitimately he f- flies to Hokkaido fully intending to see his mother, and instead of doing that, he flies around Hokkaido and imagines that he has a really great conversation with her where she accepts him. <laughs> I, <laughs> Honestly, yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if, like, during this episode, there's, like, the realization she has, and I was like, is she gonna realize that, like, Farashi's about to die, but no, she's like, damn, this her work's hard, maybe he can work here. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she picked yeah. up on some other cues, maybe. But my other thought during that was, oh god, I really hope he kills the call before he fucking blows up. <laughs> Uh, uh, what just what just happened? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you have just listened to your son die live. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you like? Uh, well, no, we don't offer trips home. Uh, here's the door. <laughs> so we're not going to take you back to Hokkaido. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We we t- we take people to the base. You don't you don't understand. We don't take people back out of the base. That's that's a waste of our time and money. Here's, You're gonna have to walk back. Uh, here's here's a map. There might be aliens that try to accost you on the way. <laughs> um, uh, it is funny how everyone's just like, Farashi doesn't know he's being sent to Hokkaido at the end, and so uh, he's like, oh, I just got back. And I was like, oh, no, no, it's uh, work is work. Work is work, just calling back to the earlier bit. Yeah. Um, the um, It's, uh, I think that, I think this episode, this one, this episode's tight. It's, it, ju- it just works. Everything's, the, the, the it's really good. Uh, all the, the pieces move as they need to. Um, I don't uh, know. I feel like uh, I feel like you know someone could have taken their shirt off or something. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> we, should, we should edit Yasunobu into this episode, taking removing his shirt. <laughs> he could, could have used a drying machine, maybe. 
Hey, Furuhashi's mom. <laughs> Need some help around the farm? Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Oh my god. Which of the characters... Which of the characters... Is it Soga? <laughs> Soga into milfs. Oh. It would be so good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I choose to believe this. I will say though, if someone if someone br- told me to go back home because they were sick, and then they were actually, I want you to take over the I'd farm. I'd be fucking pissed. That I would be, I would be so goddamn uh, f- mad. Furuhashi <laughs> handles this like a fucking pro. Uh, it, it did not make it into the summary because I was, just, you know, the summary was already very long. But what happens at the, right at the beginning is his sister, like he's driving in a jeep just across snowy fields to get back to his like uh, rural home in Hokkaido, um, and is talking to to his sister like, "How is she?" Um, and his sister's like, "What do you mean? How is she? She's fine. What the fuck are you talking about? She just wants you to take over the farm, so she lied to you." And he's like. Oh, okay. That's that's convenient because I did want to quit. I was getting pretty tired of the silly old uh, Ultra Guard. Um, by the way, engine's acting up. Could you get out and go look, go around the front of the car and check out the engine? And the moment she steps out, he just like drives off and he's just like, "Bye." <laughs> you can walk home. That is a certified certified brother moment. Uh, like <laughs> he's pretty good. Uh, there's that, that was a there's good some good characterization in this episode. Yeah, uh, especially for Hirashi, who finally gets something. Um, um, but also, yeah. I, like, I like I like the bit in Dan in this episode where he's just like having tea with uh, Farashi's mom, and he's just like not having it. And Anne calls him over. He's like, "Why should leave me with her? Please, please get me out of here." <laughs> so good. Him. <laughs> it's so perfect because it's just like him. He's so apolog when he's like. When he's like called to investigate something, and he turns to Hannah's like, "I'm so sorry, <laughs> I, I have to go." <laughs> Are you gonna be okay? <laughs> uh, yeah. It uh, is just funny having like that kind of side of Dan when usually he's like stoic, earnest he, hero. He, he's a he. Yeah, he is a guy more than like Hayata, but he is very much still like a stoic, get the job done hero. Mm-hmm. It's I, guess, I guess we get different modes of Dan depending on the episode because like this this definitely does feel like more like the Dan we saw in the first episode of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think Dan is helped by just us knowing that it's it's Ultra Seven in there and not yeah. like the the fact that Ultraman turns around at the very end and uh, is like oh you know he he wasn't a guy this whole time because. He literally wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny, but also it kind of just sucked. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. for the rest of the show. Um, classic classic hero, Hayata. Who? <laughs> who? Who the fuck is he? Oh, he's the guy who holds up the spoon. All right, yeah. <laughs> um, um, mm-hmm. uh, the Kanana cool. Uh, I, they are basically unchanged from here into, um, yeah. into Blazer. Yeah, and they uh, have stood the test. Here, of time. Here, here, uh, I want to say the Moody Lights, but also the base in there, the Blazer Lighthouse, a wink, wink. Uh, also has some Moody lighting. Mm-hmm. It, it is it is interesting, you know. Uh, 
I obviously as someone who has seen Modern Ultraman, I kind of get a sense of like how trippy every episodes are can can be sometimes. Though like obviously I wasn't watching older shows when I watched all the newer shows. Um, so it is kind of fun just having like a point of reference to be like here's a here's an episode that does a tribute to an older episode and you can kind of see like how they're doing something new while also mm-hmm. using all the same bones and yeah. hallmarks of the episode because yeah, like, the the the, fr- the framework of um machines are getting controlled for nefarious uh, means and then uh a friendly robot has to fight ultra seven has to fight Ultraman. Um, uh, friendly robot dragon thing yes uh controlled by the canan um is all there but the yeah yeah and there's even like the they have their bases in the lighthouse and the lighthouse um blasts off into space and gets blown the fuck up Mm -hmm. i I think what's really cool is that both of those are character centric episodes but because they're about very different people they do very different things with them like furuhashi's is a lot about like his like you know his thing with his family relationships but then also like his duty to the ultra guard and what it means to sign up for something where you know you might not come back home to your loved one sort of thing um and then yasunobu is about like you know his his love of machines and, and working with and them overworking and himself his connection and, and yes and overwork and, and his connection with his uh team members in that way as well and like they're they both do it pretty well yeah. um like the, i'm happy we finally got a furuhashi episode but then also too like i think of the like character stuff we get in the show like it's strong i, I felt like they did it pretty well yeah, yeah it's, it's good the, it's well written uh, also i just remembered that like the the blazer episode question does open with like um well one the car going crazy but then it's, it's it, like pans up to the sky and you see an aurora and like now i'm like oh that's why oh, oh right uh, yeah because like because like the aurora doesn't like factor into that episode at all but like mm-hmm. as a callback to this episode it makes sense now because like the aurora mm-hmm. is like a big part of like mm-hmm. the weird fucky wucky technology stuff yeah the you know you know what I feel like it, the reason it's here is because it's the Arctic and it's not the Arctic. In the episode of Blazer, the, there yeah. is a re- there is a really funny moment in this episode where they talk about the Arctic like it's the Antarctic, um, where they say like uh, they're like um, ground. Make sure that the, the, no, there is no one flying to, uh, into like the Arctic Circle. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Do you mean like make like? 30 something countries <laughs> just like not how yeah. like it's 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 not people live there <laughs> yeah <laughs> i almost live there <laughs> i almost live there yeah um how far away am i from the arctic circle that's the question it's not very far all right i'm just looking at my anyway further doxing ourselves yeah. uh, <laughs> It, I, it does feel I, like I, I don't is, think it's doxing myself to say I'm Britain. I think it's well-established. Like this episode, this episode is, does feel like sometimes they're like, hey, look how scenic Hokkaido is. Uh, yeah. Which is which is nice, but unfortunately my lefty brain also immediately goes to, oh, hey, look how nice this place we colonized is. <laughs> uh, I think uh, um, I think if you uh, want a scenic Hokkaido and uh, some kind of sympathetic brain for the people getting colonized, uh, read Golden Kamui. That shit rules. I do, need, I do need to read Golden Kamui. 
Um, it was very, I heard on one of the Abnormal Mapping podcasts, I heard M say, I want to say, describe Golden Kamui as seeming like, just, they were like, I want to, I want to read it, but I want people to like, recommend it, because like, otherwise I'm not going to read like, something like dry historical stuff and i was like who told you that golden kamui was like that i remember that one i just have to assume it's just because it is a historical context that the assumption was that like, it's it's uh, very funny because knowing some of the shit that happens in golden kamui <laughs> i love the guy that just goes around yelling boner <laughs> yeah i do uh, need to read it though it's good know. shit seems good um the, the business were nice though yes the um also me seeing G- snow in a japanese show i'm like oh damn that's not uncommon mm-hmm. uh i say this completely forgetting there was the woo episode last <laughs> last season uh and beyond that the other fake yeti man that preceded woo he was uh, so much worse i forgot than him for a reason he was yeah. in the red. He was in. I don't even remember his red name. King. He was there was, uh, so the I, red I, king I, could I, look cool. I only remember his name is Gagas because you know it's like the Earthbound guy. Oh uh, yeah, Red King's so cool. I can't believe we cut all of Red King from. Well, there's a Red King episode with Pigmon in it, and we put the Geronimo, the Geronimo <laughs> Pigmon episode in the skip list. Um, uh, the death was funny. <laughs> I, I regret to inform it's, you. Listen, I. I simply think they should have replaced Geronimo with King with Red King. Ah, oh, fuck. They should have. They it's should okay. have. Anyway. It's okay. Geronimo the... never shows up again, and K- Red King shows up in a lot of places. So yeah, the um the act so the actual like the big the big moment for me in this episode is um uh is Furuhashi uh, talking to his mom on the yeah that's a good scene. Getting like. Oh, yeah. Just, just not being able to to say, "Hi, I might be going to die." <laughs> just like completely, yeah. just in unable to say and, it. And like cracking, cracking a joke when she's like, "Oh my, you mean my voice is going all the way to the Arctic?" And and he goes, "Yeah, it's telling me, oh, it's cold." And then they both just start to laugh, and you can just see in his face, like, "Oh God, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, this is bad." It, it, it struck me as weird after this point that like she didn't clue into the fact that he's going through this and she was like oh man uh, i guess the ultra card is hard work it just felt weird that was like what she thought because mm-hmm. like, my vibe throughout most of that scene was like oh there's like you know because she says she's his mom and it's like you know he can she can sense those kind of things she'd be able to sense those kind of things that like, my mom can't sense those kind of fucking things my mom can't sense those kind of things uh you know what that's fair uh <laughs> Uh, but uh, I do, yeah, I do, I do get what you mean. But I, I think the, I think there's like a, there's like a tragic element to it that I think I like. That is like you know, it's not quite tragic because Same. I mean, it is turned track. It's, it's just turned sad. tragic if you imagine that the ridiculous ending is literally him imagining the conversation. But. <laughs> um, I have to assume that the actual ending of the show is like. Like it's genuinely the actual ending of that ep- of the episode is like genuinely supposed to be. They are feeling these things through space towards each other. <laughs> yeah, a new type can understand a situation, uh, instantly. 
it it cuts back to uh it cuts back to the fucking like mom's house and the fucking fortune teller guys there and he's like i learned how to use the crystal ball to remotely you know call people now that i can't see you know the your future. son was gonna fucking die <laughs> <laughs> uh and they make crystal ball Curran. yes <laughs> um it's his favorite scryer uh, i guess it is also interesting just seeing also the the different style of writing between 60s and 2020s Ultraman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, uh, it's, you know, <laughs> the Blazer episode is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I I also, on that note, one, one thing I wanted to point out is I feel like Ultra 7 is the first time we had one of these shows where they're willing to do a thing like like there was an airline tragedy in this episode to like set up the stakes. That's a like, lot of people screen, died. Three hundred yeah. some people. Yeah. Three hundred some people just blew up in midair, and I don't really think Ultra Q nor Ultraman really were ever willing yeah. to do stuff like and the that. Thing is, I think the funny um, thing is, I feel like Ultraman was more likely to do it, which is interesting considering how much more kid focused Ultraman was compared to Ultra Q. Like I feel like we got deaths on screen in Ultra Q, but we didn't get like. We got, well, we got if, if, you, if you go back to those episodes, I feel like that's one of the things I, I think we talk about is like there there's not a lot of actual violence to people in Ultra Q, um, like in the text that of episode, the show. Yeah. Like there's a lot of threats spiders and horror, but not really actual death. The episode with the spiders, yeah. those people should be fucking dead. They were literally yeah. red shirts added to the show to die, and they didn't die. <laughs> what do you the one the one guy I can think of who died is uh, the zookeeper who just died at the start of one episode, and uh, the guy who blew himself uh, to try to kill a mole, which he did not do. <laughs> and somehow yeah. survived long enough to stumble out. Yeah, <laughs> the other the other guy who died. This is significant. I remember is um, the uh, criminal who's trying to shoot um, the good guys oh, and yeah. gets squished yeah, by the, the giant snail. <laughs> Uh, this motherfucker got squished by it's, a it's, snail. I just, I just remember for the episode, like two characters died, and they both died by being crushed by the slowest moving things they could have been crushed by. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that snail's so fucking cool, though. I'll always remember that episode for someone being like, "Yeah, we should give Ipe the bazooka." Oh, you let him touch a bazooka. <laughs> I. When we got to like when we got like the bazooka in the King Joe episode, all I think of was the eBay bazooka pose from that episode. <laughs> it's so good. Um, all right. Well, do we have anything more to say about this episode other than do you have uh, production yes. stuff? Yeah, uh, directed by Kazuo Mitsuda, and then also written by Shinichi Ichikawa. If the name seems semi-familiar but not super familiar, it's because we've only ever talked about one other uh, Ichikawa written thing, and that was uh, episode 13, The Man Who Came From V3. Oh. The episode with uh, Captain Karada uh, and uh, uh, the yes. uh, camouflaged alien ship and all that yeah. fun stuff. Um. The, did you, who did you say the director was? Uh, Kazuo Mitsuda. I have a question. Yes. Did he do the Arashi episode? Um. Shit, who did... Hold on, let me look up. I don't have that doc on hand, but don't shoot Arashi. I'm gonna look. 
Uh, don't shoot Arashi. Yes, he did. Likes this actor. Or another. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's funny. Um. Yeah, it, it like don't shoot Arashi and this episode do feel a little like this actor is this, this actor is kind of wasted because like you know he can do characters <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um, like de- definitely I feel like you know the actors are not like the weak parts of these shows mm-hmm. in terms of like whether characters weak he's definitely like the material they're given mm-hmm. uh, like the, the, the captain uh, from um, Ultraman um uh is so cool in original common writer <laughs> yeah um as just like his like mentor it's really good um anyway uh mel yes capsule I countdown no owned i no longer owned uh, Yay. It took us, uh 21 episodes uh fuck 20 wait did you say 21 episodes without a capsule kaiju yeah because the last one was episode three uh, <laughs> what were they doing uh, what were they doing the the next time we get a capsule monster it's gonna be episode 48 Watch. yeah we have to we have to count how many episodes between iterations now um anyway Wyndham uh shows up again this time and got four minutes 32 seconds nice Good job, Wyndham. Good run, uh, running around in circles. Yes, the the <laughs> bit where he disables Wyndham by running around in circles and then exiting the circle, and Wyndham just keeps on running until he's too tired. Um, good, very goofy. And then brain hacks, brain hacks him. Yeah, you know, normal shit. Yeah. Uh, also, we got an email. Have we? Woo! Yeah. How, how long is this email? <laughs> It's like it's like it's uh, like eight thirty p.m. Uh, let me see. He's uh, not a subject star email, so maybe a bit unlikely side. Uh, can as a personal request from me, who is dying a little bit, can I will personally apologize to this person by name next week when we read that okay. email. Okay, that's fine. Um, we can. We can. I will full dogeza. I will. You'll be able to hear it through the microphone. Audible dogeza. Audible dogeza. That's my new band. So my, my apologies. <laughs> to. Uh... We're sorry for our last album. <laughs> kind of sucked. All right, we'll get to the email uh, next week then. Uh, very sorry to whoever that is, uh, but that was a uh, s- side trick, sorry. We we have we have gone uh, quite long today, uh, and we also record uh, skipping the queue the same day. And last time I ate was at lunch, like uh, nine and a half hours ago. Uh, it's two thirty p.m. I have not eaten at all today. You I should, should fix, fix that. that. I, I ate before we. Ate. <laughs> I'm very hungry. I have some food. It's only four for me. All right. Um, well, if I will skip straight into plugs, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, uh, we're still only on Twitter. Uh, you can do so at ultra underscore Q. 
That is at ultra underscore Q-U-E-U-E. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at gender underscore redacted. Uh, Mel. Hi, you can follow me at Dear Crowns on co-host and Blue Sky, and at a later date, Twitter once again. Uh, we have the YouTube channel, AlterQ. We have AlterQ Fund on the coffee for media acquisitions, last subtitles. I think that's what the plugs they usually do. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shit that needs sub- that needs subtitles that doesn't have it. Yeah, it does. So give us money. <laughs> we don't have a Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rosin. Uh, yeah, you can find me everywhere at Rosin Brand. That's co-host YouTube, Blue Sky, Twitter, uh, and uh, you should uh, check out my uh, YouTube if you want to see me play through Armored Core Six because I've been streaming the whole playthrough, having a good time. People in the chat have been having fun with me. Uh, been helping me out with my like uh, weighing in on my paint jobs and, and color oh, schemes nice. and been a good time and I can't wait to uh, I'm probably going to take a break today because I'm a little armored core out but uh, tomorrow I'll get back to uh, streaming the uh, other routes so yeah you need uh, so you need to uh, take a break before you can get another 25 minutes of discussion out of it yep 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 god we talked about ultra the, the armored core so long all right. I noticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's a podcast. Uh, join us next time for three more episodes of Ultra 7. Um, probably less talk about Armored Core. Um, and uh, yeah. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Kurun. Kururu. Oh